1: Drive time on location today. It's Jason. Dan Cook is here. We are at the Armory in downtown Minneapolis where this place is set up for the 19th Annual Diamond Awards. Minnesota Twins honoring uh, the players that made last season so special. And the timing of this tonight, uh, what an amazing evening it's, it's going to be with the excitement around Joe Maurer. His first ballot selection to the All of, uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, celebrating the players that made last season uh, one, one for the record books, one that broke the streak. Thank
2: heavens. <laughs> Thank
1: heavens, indeed. Uh, and this is a fundraiser, too. We're raising money for the Twins Community Fund. We're raising money for the University of Minnesota M Health Fairview Masonic Children's Hospital as well. So it should be a night to celebrate giving back to the community and to get us excited about baseball. Like, I don't know how much more help we need getting excited after this week, Dad.
2: Well, especially, obviously, after this week with all the news about Joe, but especially, yes. you know, when you're in the doldrums of winter, although those doldrums aren't very deep this year, but even when you right. are. Uh, that's what makes this weekend was you start with the Diamond Awards and then move into Twins Fest so exciting because you can feel how close spring training is. And spring training is a bastion of hope for us in Minnesota. Yes. And so we're getting ever closer. Obviously, you and I are going to head down there in a few weeks. But uh, but it starts tonight with the Diamond Awards, which is always a awesome event. If you've never been part of this before, I really really recommend checking it out one of these years because it's it's just it's a great place to be able to mingle with uh players, with staff, with other people from from the Twins. There's obviously the, all the ceremonial aspects of it. There's uh awards they give boards, away, right? There's auctioning, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff that goes on and like you said it's all for a great cause. It's for the for the community fund and uh and the Fairview Sonic Center. So. Uh
1: Dick bramer who is the uh TV play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Twins for so many years, just retiring. He'll join us in three o'clock hour. Yep. He and I are co hosting this tonight. So Dick is up meaning, there.
2: Meaning he's hosting and you're coming along for the ride. We'll see how it goes. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, you have plenty of MCing experience. I'm not trying to knock that. You just never. I feel like before. you're directly no, no, no. knocking that. No, no, no. What do you mean I'm not trying to knock that? No, I'm saying, like, you know, are you having You're MC like, skills. you're
1: Dick Bramer's whipping boy, and not. I'm not trying to insult you.
2: That's what you're I, saying. That's what I'm
1: saying. That's Dave. what I'm hearing.
2: Have you done the diamond wars before? No. Okay. Dick's done it obviously a thousand times. He's just, he's a pro. You have mm. MC skills. Mm. Now you just you grab onto him and he just guides you right along the back the paddle. It's the back be, paddle no, sound it's, effect. It's uh it's clarification, I is see. It is.
1: So hurtful. Why is Matt laughing at me right so now? So hurtful. Just unnecessary. I love you, Jason. Happy birthday, yes. <laughs> Um, I want to start by talking about uh, social media and young teenagers. One of my great mistakes in parenting was letting my teens have Instagram accounts when they were 11 and 12. I thought that I'd be able to supervise better. I'd be able to coach them. I'd be able to teach them. And in fact, what happened is that I was able to coach them at a time when they were more likely to listen to me than they would have when they were 14 or 15 or 16. But I also enabled them to begin this process that I think any parent has seen take place, and frankly, it's happened to a lot of us, where reading, thoughtful time, time outside playing, Uh, slowly gets replaced by scrolling and flipping through and liking and watching stuff on a phone. In Florida, right now, the state legislature is doing something that I think is very interesting. They are moving to ban social media for children under 16. Now, there are all sorts of technology. We can, what about, what about technology this to death. But what I want to know right now, from you, if the technology were available to do this easily, would you ban social media for kids under sixteen? Six five one four six one nine two two six, six five one four six one nine two two six. Because in retrospect, I, I wish I hadn't allowed it. And so, yeah, I sort of wish. That it would have been banned. I really do. And I know, like, that's sort of the lazy way out of parenting, I guess. But it's got to be one of the worst things for young kids. Are there benefits? Yes. Yes. But uh, I don't think those benefits are outweighed by the negatives. Here's what they're suggesting. And in Florida right now, the bill doesn't list exactly what they're talking about, right? What do you define as social media? But I think generally speaking, we get it as parents. It's Facebook. It's X. It's Snapchat. It's TikTok. Is it YouTube? I mean, most kids, that's how they're currently watching everything. More kids, I feel, watch YouTube than watch TV. In Florida... And we've seen here in Minnesota our attorney general filing suit, against, uh, filing suit against the social media companies, saying that essentially social media companies know that they're, they're essentially addicting young people to social media. I think as adults, a lot of us, we know it, right? Like if you look in the mirror and you think about whether or not you are addicted – you know the truth. You are. You're addicted. I'm addicted. Dan Cook, you're, I, I you're have a little more
2: disciplined. I can find myself, though, I can very easily find myself on TikTok, scrolling, 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 and next thing I know, an hour and a half has gone by. And that's when I know, oh, okay, wait a minute. Slow down a little bit. Put this thing down for a while. But it happens. It, ha- it absolutely happens. In so much, I think the biggest thing in terms of uh, of this under-16 portion of it, is that so much of kids' identities now is being formed by social media and where there's this comparison thing going on of this is my life, but this is the life I see other people having. Therefore, my life isn't good enough. And when you're that impressionable and when you're that still early in terms of forming and figuring out who you are, uh, that's an enormously negative influence. It's one thing for you and I to look at social media and realize, well, yeah, we're only seeing the best parts of people's lives and that's not a realistic thing. Right, But... That's you and I. Right. You know, the kids obviously are in a different situation entirely.
1: The Florida approach is targeting the addictive nature of social media. It's not it's not the content. Right. Because you run into a First Amendment issue. And in most cases, I would say this should you know, this should be a parental decision. Parents should be able to decide. I made the decision as dumb as it was. To let my kids on social media early. And now when I talk to my 18-year-old who uninstalled TikTok before he went off to college because he was worried he would spend time in New York City flipping through TikTok instead of, oh, my gosh, I'm in, New York, in City. New York City. Yeah. So he had the wisdom to uninstall it. Uh, and he. I've asked him, I'm like, do you think I screwed up? Do you wish you were not on social media so early? And he said Yes. <laughs> He gets it. I get it. Way to go, Dad! I screwed it up. I think a lot of parents are struggling with this, and the reality is, most of us are not equipped to manage the addictive nature of social media on our own. And so, the idea of a ban—oh, it makes me uncomfortable. But I think, I think it's right. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Lots of texts coming in, Jason. As a retired teacher of 32 years of elementary school, I can tell you that I would be all for a ban for social media for children under 16. Yeah.
2: It makes a lot of sense on the surface. You know, The trouble, obviously, is going to come in. You, you said that they're trying to draw the line between content and addictive nature because they're trying to get around a lawsuit, a, a lawsuit, right? or free expression, right? right? Uh, there's also, you know, you have to remember this, this would have a massive impact on that industry. And there's people that make livings doing this, yep. too, and that's, that's not nothing. Uh, but if you take away kids 16 and under, uh, from, I mean, obviously Florida is one of the most popular states in the union, but if this works in Florida, you know it's going to spread. Others, it's have a huge impact on that business.
1: Other states have looked at it. In Arkansas, they, re- they required parental consent by law for minors to create new social media accounts. The federal judge blocked that and mm-hmm. said, nope, that's too far. In Florida, this thing passed 106 to 13, 106 to 13. Democrats and Republicans recognize that we've let this get out of control. And I suppose the question is, is it too late
2: or can we put the toothpaste back in the tube? I hate to be cynical, but I'll also point out that Democrats and Republicans in Florida realize that people 16 and under can't vote.
1: Well, there is that, right? No one's trying to ban it for all adults. I want to know what you think. If you're a parent, we'd love to hear from you. A text or a call, certainly welcome. Lots of texts coming in. I'll share that after a break. 651 Should the government ban social media accounts for kids under 16? More in a minute here on Drive Time. Do you want the government... To take control of this issue with social media and teenagers, do you think Florida's on the right track? I know it's difficult for a lot of us to say yes, I think Florida's on the right track about anything. But when you're thinking about social media, more and more research indicates how addictive it is for all of us. Should it be banned, straight up banned, uh, like Florida is trying to do, ban it for 14, 15, 13-year-old kids. There are federal regulations that restrict advertising. Uh, So I think, what, you have to be 13, I think, usually, to open an account because there are federal rules about the way you advertise to to kids. It's why you see much more regulation over the advertisements that show up, like during Saturday morning cartoons or that kind of a thing. Um, I'm curious how that's regulated or enforced. You know, well there have been lawsuits you've had, you know, over advertisements for no, sure. No what I'm
2: saying, you know, if you, social media and teens? Yeah, when you when you require kids Oh, yeah, kid,
1: it's not enforced. Kids just lie. That's I right. and I put a fake I did it. Yeah. I signed my kids up. I put a fake birth date in there and that's what kids are doing too.
2: So that's the other part of this, you know, ban of under 16 is well you it's it's great to pass a law and say kids under 16 can't do it, but how hard is it to evade the law? What's the enforcement mechanism, You know, how, did that act, how does that actually work I, practically?
1: Yeah, I think those are fair questions, but I don't think our, our legislators need to worry about that yet. I think the main question is a philosophical one. Is social media as addictive as cocaine and meth and fentanyl, all things that we regulate and ban, and if you believe it is, which a lot of research is indicating that it is, that addictive, the and it's intentionally that addictive. It's designed to be that addictive. It is. And so, if, so do you ban
2: it? Is it just the addictiveness that is necessary, or is it also some sort of provable harm? I mean, you named all those drugs, right? The, the, pro- the problem with those drugs isn't so much that they're addictive, although it is that they're addictive. It's the harm that the they harm. do once you're yeah. That's to fair, them. and I think and do you have to demonstrate a specific kind of harm yeah. that comes from? We all know no, that these it can will be, be the legal challenges
1: right. for sure, right? Yeah. Text at six five one four six one nine two two six. I have one child, a fifteen year old boy. No social media. Personally, I have Facebook, but I've never seen TikTok, Instagram, etc. No video games either. I'm all for a ban under sixteen, but the government shouldn't have to institute it. Parents should do their damn job. Signed, the meanest mom in Minnesota.
0: I'm sure that's what
1: their kids, that's what the kids said. Yeah, I bet. It is tricky. I was discussing this with my sister-in-law, who has uh, two kids. One is a uh, kindergartner, Mm -hmm. and one is a, a third grader. And I said, I think they should wait. But already their friends are on Snapchat. And part of the social stress that comes in is that your friends have group chats on Snapchat yep. sort of planning activities, and if you don't let your kid on there, are they a social outcast? Can
2: they get left out? Yep.
1: The answer is yes. They do. But maybe a government ban like takes some of that pressure off of parents who are trying to not allow it in their house but then kind of give in under these circumstances.
2: And YouTube is going to be, I think, the uh, most fascinating part of all this. Does that get lumped in with the rest, right? Because yeah, as yeah. you well know, uh, it is so easy for parents, and I'm not knocking any parent that does this or doesn't do it. It is so easy for parents to hand a kid a tablet, put YouTube up, and let them yes. start watching videos while you need to get something done around the house, whatever it is. just you know because kids will just sit and watch and watch and watch. well, is that sort of the gateway drug to the rest of social media? It's super interesting and
1: and the the way Florida set up this legislation is that basically a parent would be able to sue a social media company. That didn't take down a kid's account, uh, which of course would be a pretty strong motivation yeah. uh, for them to do it. Now, if you have one state banning it, I'm sure you know kids. Look, kids know how to like pirate movies and figure out how to watch sports. Lot like I don't know these kids. They'll they'll figure out ways they'll around it. it out. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth creating a law, right? Because we make speeding illegal, and plenty of people speed. Right. Yeah, you can figure out a way around it. It's not a valid reason to say, no, True. we shouldn't create a law. True. I know plenty True. of 20- to 30-year-olds, says this texter, who stopped growing at 12 because of social media. They can't grow beyond that age. It's like using drinks or drugs, and it stops emotional development. Uh, I think it's really interesting, and I think this is the beginning of this conversation, not the end. Social media sites should be banned for people under 16, says a texter. And then those within three months can take a class to gain access to unrestrict one app a quarter until they turn 18. I do think that at the least we need more education for our young people to understand how to navigate this stuff. You know, the the tech companies and Apple, they've come up with ways that parents could have control. You can sunset these at certain hours. You can turn off your Wi-Fi at certain hours. Like, there are things you can do as a parent. But I think teaching kids media literacy and social media literacy is as important as HOMAC and shop class.
2: and some parents are savvy enough to be able to do that on their own, but maybe this is something that needs to come along with this kind of law, is that the social media companies need to be you know, investing in and offering some form of education so that parents yeah. you know, who, who yeah. aren't tech-savvy can figure out ways in which to take care of their
1: parents kids. Parents have to parent their kids. I do agree yep. with the meanest yep. mom in Minnesota. Yep. And I do think there are options for government to intervene here because the response of the tech companies has sucked. They just have not done much about this. Uh, And why would they? Because they're making tons of money off of our young people. It is three thirty. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Dick Bramer for generations. The TV voice, the Minnesota Twins retiring. And I mean, talk about slumming it, co-hosting a show with me tonight. Rough. Dick joins us next on CCL. It's a great week for the Minnesota Twins, for Twins fans. Joe Maurer, First Ballot Hall of Fame, Twins Fest this weekend, and tonight, the Diamond Awards, celebrating uh, some of the outstanding players of that fun season we had last year, raising money for the Twins Community Fund and for the University of Minnesota M Health Fairview Masonic Children's Hospital. Dick Bramer is here, who will be receiving an award
3: tonight. How about that? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I've been uh, handing these things out here for 18 years, and tonight I get to keep one. That Not bad. <laughs> not bad. 19th year of the Diamond Awards. Your career
1: with the Minnesota Twins and the television broadcast. I mean, now you've had a little bit of time to reflect on kind of uh, the, the impact you've made on Twins territory and the impact Twins territory has made on you. What I guess. Uh, how are you doing emotionally about all of this?
3: Well, I, I'm okay with it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to spending a Minnesota summer that isn't tethered to a baseball schedule. <laughs> I haven't done that in 40 years. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of. I've, I've told people it's kind of like puberty, where you're always. If you remember, it was a long time ago for you, was, not as long yeah. as for me. But it's kind of like puberty, where you're always in between things, yeah. right? Yeah. well it's kind of like that for me I, I'm, I'm too old to hook on with another team, I'm too young to run for president so I mean I, <laughs> way, I, I, too I, young. I, way too young I'm trying to figure out you know, what uh, what life is going to be like but I'm looking forward to it and I got an opportunity here on your show Jason, I, I just want to thank Twins fans because they've been outstanding uh, in recent months in supporting me in my decision and, and encouraging me that uh, a 40 year run was uh, impactful for them, I know it was for me the the twins organization and and being from this region uh i just was really blessed for 40 years dick braver is with us the outpouring was immediate
1: um and has to be overwhelming right when you think of yourself because you've never been really like a look at me kind of broadcaster
3: no and um i've always felt it's about the game and I didn't feel comfortable with all the attention that was given with the announcement made uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and I, I, have a, I had a great role model in Herb Carneal. I'm mm. getting his award uh, tonight because, you know, on am WCCO. Yeah. Herb was doing baseball. Ray Christensen was doing basketball and football. And you didn't even have to ask them why or how they were able to last a long time in this business. You could just listen to them Mm -hmm. because they always focused on the game, not on themselves. And not just for me, but for any broadcaster, that's a pretty good uh, model to follow. This week has been something else with Joe Maurer getting in
1: first ballot Hall of Fame. I went back this morning and read a little bit uh, from your book. And the chapter of your book where you talked about that final broadcast uh, of Joe Mauer's career, that final moment. When you
3: when you think of that game, you you didn't know that he was going to put on the catching gear. We were told uh, while we were on the air in the bottom of the eighth inning that this is all going to happen, and I understand. The reason for the secrecy right that's what made it such a special moment no one very few people knew that he was going to come out and catch a pitch in the in the uh, top of the ninth inning so we were told like two outs in the eighth inning and it's i'm on the air then we didn't go to break and so kind of on the fly i had to figure out okay i don't want to screw this up this is a big deal right and you didn't want to
1: give it away i didn't want to
3: give it away and so i'm, I'm tap dancing waiting <laughs> For Mauer's helmet to come bobbing up the steps of the home dugout, I knew it was going to happen, but I had to kind of play it along and 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 tap dance as I said, and then I saw the helmet coming up the steps, and I knew now's the time to wrap it up and let the moment. Take over, and the fans got into it. And you it, just let it let it go. That, yeah. two minutes of the fans just going crazy. What am I going to say to add to the emotion <laughs> that was already evident on the field? Yeah. And it really, in forty years, it really was one of the more special moments. I was proud to be a part of.
1: Did you expect Joe to get into the Hall of Fame this week?
3: I um, I had this discussion with Justin Morneau uh, during the season this past year. And I got a, a kind of a puzzled, confused look from him. But I said, I, I think he's going to go in. I'm more convinced now. This was last summer. I'm more convinced now that he's going to go in on the first ballot than I was when he retired. And he said, well, now why is that? And I said, I think it's because he spoiled us. and And we grew to expect the game to be played at his level from that position for so long. And then and this is no reflection on Ryan Jeffers or any of the other catchers in Major League Baseball, we realized, having watched what the state of catching is in Major League Baseball over the last several years, we realized how special he was, not just as a hitter, but as a defender behind the plate, too. And so as time went along, and absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? I think that's the main reason why I was not not the least bit surprised that we got the news that we got the other day. It is interesting that today you're much uh,
1: more able to compare players across generations uh, because of the analytics and the statistics that uh, have been created. And so Maurer's stats are sort of a no brainer, mm-hmm. which I think to those of us who watched joe play as you did uh every (laughs) just about every game of his career from beginning to end there's something about baseball that that as a hitter you're going to fail you know six or seven times out of ten and if you watch every game sometimes it doesn't stand out
3: like wow what a monster joe was Back in in those days, it was interesting over the last couple of days to see Mauer highlights, hitting <laughs> highlights, right? And the thing that struck me was the swing was the same. Yes, singles, I noticed that too. Singles, just doubles, home runs, yeah. and the pitch. You know, the pitch wasn't coming in at the same speed, or <laughs> nor was it in the same location. Yeah. But the swing never changed, and it's just remarkable. And when you have really good. Left-handed hitters like Justin Morneau saying uh, it was just incredible. Joey Votto said something as well about Maurer's swing and how he watched it and he studied it and he studied it. And, again, I think he just spoiled so many of us who were able to see excellence at that level. Uh, And then, of course, when he was gone, we were reminded, I think, how difficult it is to to hit successfully in the big leagues. Dick Bramer is with
1: us. Dick, don't you think some of it, though, was because – the team struggled so much that when you think of iconic memories of an iconic player, so often it's a postseason moment, mm-hmm. and the Yankees just had our number. Right. So when you think of those Mauer moments, I think for a Twins fan looking at it, it's it's different than like the Kirby Puckett moments.
3: Right. And I think too, Joe did uh, made one huge mistake in his career. The only mistake he made, and that is win the American League MVP in 2009 because he hit 28 home runs. He did not play in April. He didn't. He was hurt, and he didn't start playing until early May. And he still hit 28 home runs, drove in 90 some runs, hit won a batting title that year. And it's like it was, It's impossible. But he he just got better. And then the Twins moved outside and the numbers weren't there anymore. It's not his fault, of course, but he he spoiled so many Twins fans with that one year of absolute brilliance, winning a league MVP when he didn't even play the first month of the year. And, uh, you know, that's what I will remember about him, Mm. how in that season, I think he won the gold glove that year too, uh, there wasn't a better baseball player in either league that year. Dick Bramer with us. I know you love the outdoors. Mm -hmm.
1: How annoyed are you at <laughs> the weather this winter
3: well um as i shared with you before we did this segment last year we couldn't get outside because it was too snowy what did we get 90 inches of snow something inches. like that record number freezing of, cold into, tons of snow and then when it wasn't snowing it was 23 below yes so we couldn't get outside ice well, now we, can't get out. we can get outside mm-hmm. but what are you going to do i like to cross-country ski there's no snow i like to go ice fishing there's no ice so this has been odd, and somewhere between this winter and last winter is a typical Minnesota winter, and maybe we'll have that next year.
1: Your, uh, your family was there uh, for your last broadcast, of course. Uh, well, actually, the last one was
3: in Colorado. Or in Colorado, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um,
1: your your son is a
0: broadcaster.
3: Yes, he is. And he flew up from Pensacola, Florida. He'll be here tonight. He's a double A broadcaster for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, the double A team for the Miami Marlins. And uh, so this was going to be a special night anyway. But that I'll be able to share it, spend mm-hmm. it with my wife, my daughter and my son will make it even more special.
1: It's pretty cool. You look at the sacrifice of of any family related to uh a sports play-by-play type job you're on the road so much mm-hmm. you are unavailable for
3: so much of those kids childhoods right right and it's it's tougher in baseball um because you're gone for a week week and a half two weeks at a time uh with no breaks in between uh, in the nba and the nhl and the nfl it's one game a week and so there's that family time but my kids have just been great that's all they knew that dad was going to be around too much in the wintertime and not enough in the summer. (laughs) It is something I've talked to
1: my kids about where, you know, I appreciate the sacrifice that my kids made and my wife made along the way that, uh, I don't know, something Don Shelby said when he retired from WCCO-TV and his kids were there and were at the retirement party. And he said that he told his kids that, that basically they were loaning him To the community, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, a kid, when they want you to be there for their birthday party, I don't know that they realize that what they're doing. But as adults, I think his kids really appreciated that they got the opportunity to do that. And obviously, there are some fun things that come come with it, too.
3: Right. It's a strain on the family and it's a little bit on the selfish side for any of us to devote so much of our time, at least for me in the summertime, to our jobs. When uh, there are family commitments that need to be met, and sometimes they're not met because we're not we're not home. But uh, again, my wife and two kids have That's just been good. great about it. Yeah, forty
0: years,
1: pretty awesome.
3: All right, it's yeah, gonna be. I, 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 you know, forty fortieth an- uh, anniversary. I believe is the ruby. Anniversary. All right. And so I'm waiting for somebody to give me it's, a dozen <laughs> ruby grapefruit, and uh, and we'll celebrate that way. It's going to be grapefruit, not
1: the not the gemstone. <laughs> that's for sure. Dick, we'll have fun uh, hosting the Diamond Awards tonight, and I'm excited to see you receive your. I'm reaction. delighted to be sharing the stage with you
3: tonight, Jason. That's
1: good. You know, right. you know what a fan I am of yours, and have been uh, for 20 years since I moved here. It's going to be weird not hearing your voice this year, but I'm gr- I'm glad it's uh, Corey Provis yep. who's taking over. Thanks, Thanks Dick. Yep. Uh, It is time for a break. 3.50, back in a minute. Live from the Armory, the site of the Twins Diamond Awards on CCO. Lots to come here live from the Armory. Twins Diamond Awards tonight. We will talk with one of the Minnesota Twins who really uh, electrified uh, the fan base. Last season, who's receiving the awards, so that'll be in the 5.30 time zone. So stick around for that. When we come back, we'll be talking about a local company trying to solve the parental nightmare of getting your kids into summer camp.